Yo, 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 yo. What's good, everybody? What's good? What's up? What's up? What's happening? What's happening? I'm back. I'm back in full effect. I told you guys I'll be right back. I'm going to be dropping content, not like just back to back. Um, But got a special guest on with me today. I'm not going to be by myself. I'm not going to be by myself today. I'm going to have someone else podding with me. So this should be pretty fun. Um, Obviously, NBA playoff content, a lot of a lot of playoff content. Uh, I might, uh, you know, later this week, I might drop an episode where there's some, a little bit of NFL, but it's going to be a lot of NBA and playoff content because you guys have been begging for that. You guys want that. And it's the playoffs. Why not? So. Uh, I got it. I'm not like I said. I'm not gonna be by myself. As I told you guys, I'm gonna bring on a couple guests to you know break down and talk about the NBA playoffs as the playoffs continue to go deep into as you know as the postseason continues. So without further ado, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the episode. I'm not even gonna waste my. I'm not even gonna waste your time. I'm gonna get to the episode. You get to hear me and no layups talk about the NBA playoffs. What's happening? What's going on? What we see? Let's go. All right. So y'all, as I as I already told you guys, um. I'm gonna do a big. I, I'm a if I'm gonna bring. I told you guys I'm gonna bring a couple people on for the pod uh, for the NBA playoffs. Um, I already gave you guys like a little bit of my like overall perspective and overview of the series uh, of the second round series that we have. But I thought I'd bring somebody on a familiar voice. I like his content. Um, I think he's very charismatic. He comes with. He always comes with a hard take opinion. Um, so I, I I like this guy. I like him. No layups. AKA Najee, how you doing, bro? I'm doing great, man. Just finished up the semester. Mm-hmm. Now I can just study hoops for the summer, man. Mm-hmm. Just basketball, diving in these playoffs. Yeah, man. It's really red pill hoops. Red pill hoops from now on, man. Yeah, yeah. We're we really getting into it, man. But yeah, <laughs> let's dive into this uh this Miami series because I got a lot of I got a lot of stuff to drop my chest about Miami. Okay, okay, and and I kind of I, I I think I know where you're going with this, but let's start with the, like you said, let's start with the Philly and Miami series. Um, I I ain't gonna lie to you. I originally with a healthy Embiid, I thought Philly could win this series in seven. With him missing the first two games, uh, I know they came back last. Uh, he came he came back Friday night, and the 76ers won in pretty convincing fashion. Give me your take on okay. Give give me your take on Miami. What what do you have to say about Miami? Because I think uh, I think they're a little bit of fool's gold. Yes, but I really do not think they are contender. I don't even think they were contender. If I could really rank the teams this season out east, I would have had let's say Boston, Milwaukee. I think Philly and Brooklyn were better. I think they were the fifth best team out east, but they just you know death. Right, death in the regular season is gonna take you far, mm-hmm. and when you're not like when they still have most of their pieces in the lineup, they would never have like a bunch of major injuries at once. So you could steal a first seed, and then they got lucky because Brooklyn won the first um playing game, so right. they didn't have to play Brooklyn as the eighth seed because they would have been out of here. But then this Miami, this Philly series, I picked Miami only because Joe. I thought Joe was gonna be done for the the series because i had that injury that that mess hurts like mm-hmm. it really hurts and it's high risk um but you could see game one i was like it's the game one i feel like doc rivers won them the game honestly his incompetence and those deandre jordan minutes mm-hmm. because yep 
outside of that, I was like, oh, they're actually guarding a lot of their actions well. And I feel like Matisse should have played more. Like, you could have used Matisse in the Bruce Brown role, even though he's not the passer or don't have the floater Bruce guy. You still got to use him because he's part of one of the best perimeter defenders, maybe the best perimeter defender in the league. In basketball. So, yeah. But, like, it's Bruce Brown. And then, so I'm like, okay. Like, you could see little flaws in Miami's offense because they would go through stretches of being stagnant. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, Philly just don't have that person to constantly break down or draw that much attention being with James Harden's limited mobility and getting past people. But I was like, you could see glimpses and stuff. And then I was like watching game two and the same thing popped up. Then game three happened and I said, if they win game four, them boys is about to lose. I think they're going to lose four straight. Oh, wow. Honestly, honestly, bro, I may just go out on a limb and say they're gonna win the series, and I don't even care if they go out three, go down three one. Well, the the I agree with you. I thought Miami, even though I would say if someone was to ask me who's their best player, I would I would I would say Jimmy Butler. But even Butler, like they don't have a dominant go to offensive player. It's more so like by committee. And that's fine. Like you said, in the regular season, I think you did a great job of explaining that. Like, in the regular season, people, like, I always tell people, if you, ha if you have a young team with depth that can play defense, you're bound to win a lot of games in the regular season. Because you, like, like, cause you're, cause you don't, like, there's not many teams that possess youth or depth and the, and the ability to play defense, like, 82 nights. You you just can't, you're not going to be able to find that up and down the league. So if you're one of the teams that's able to do that with like, you don't have to have like a superstar or top five player, like you're going to win games because that's just, that's that wins in the regular season. So I, I felt like that with Miami, but you made a good point in game one. They were not that explosive offensively. Um, Miami, they don't shoot a lot of threes, so they're not gonna they're not gonna kill you with a beret of threes. Um, and the one advantage that Philadelphia coming into this series had with Embiid was the mere fact that they can take advantage of the undersized heat, the under undersized Bam. And I like Bam, but he can't like it, it, he, like like we saw yesterday, like he can't stand in front of Joel Embiid. It, it, uh, like, like it's just <laughs> like it, it's just it's just not happening. So I think. I totally agree with you with Miami. I think offensively they're not as potent. I think some nights Tyler Hero might be their best offensive player, which says a lot. And I, I think Tyler Hero can play, but like if he's your best player offensively some nights in the postseason, I don't like how that fare. Um, I think you made a great point. I oh, I've been saying it now for a couple of days. DeAndre Jordan has retired, and nobody has just announced it. Like, I don't know why coaches continue to play him in some in stretches. Like, he can't do that anymore. Like, he's just not that type of guy. He's not a rotational player anymore. And it's sad to say, I like DeAndre, but he's just not it. Um, and so in game three, even with Maxi struggling, um, Harden came into life a little bit in game three. Um, he, you know, there was instances where he got past his defender, but still. The consistent ability to 
penetrate and get past guys is still an issue. But I, I, I agree with you. I think Philly, Philly's core, I think, might be a little bit better. Like, individually, might be a little bit better than Miami. Kyle Lowry struggled. Um, you know, I, I, I just think Miami, they give me a team that's fool's gold. And coming into the postseason, there were teams that we were naming that, like, people – like, I was hearing people basketball takes that I respect. And the contenders out east, Miami was not amongst the top of the like the top of that list. Yeah. It was Milwaukee, Boston, Brooklyn, Philly, you know. So, yeah. um, that's that. I, I'm not so you so as of what you saw after Game Three, who wins Game Four and why? I think Philly wins Game Four. I think Joel is going to have a monster night. And I think I don't think Jimmy is gonna have a good day. Joel's gonna have a monster, and I think Tobias is gonna have a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, Maxie's cooking at home. Tobias, this is the best I've seen him play in the playoffs. Yes, like <laughs> he is crazy. He's finally looked like he's worth half of that contract finally. Um, and yeah, the James Harden. What I like last game was he started off a great. He had thirteen the first thirteen minutes. Yeah, and I think. That put fear in Miami because he only ended the game with 17. Right. But they started to get scared. You got to adjust your defense to that. And then it opens up the Maxis, the Danny Greens, and all that. Because Danny Green. I'm going to just say this about James Harden. As a Nets fan, I know a lot of stuff that we could talk about off the record that went down over there. But I can say this the Harden slander is. Is kind of being overdone. Is he still that elite score that he was before? No, he's not a high. He's not a high volume score or high efficiency score. I would give you that. But the man draw still draws so much attention mm-hmm. and is still one of the what five to seven best playmakers in the league. So it's like I look at it like this: he could be like a prime Jason Kidd right now, just without the defense. Honestly. Low volume, inefficient score, uh-huh. but they just are a hell of a fucking playmaker that it just still you have so much value in that because yeah. playmaking elevates the whole team. Yeah, and then I think what a lot of people don't really think about is this: when Chris Paul messed his hamstring up, remember that last year in Houston is why everybody thought he was washed. We thought he was done. Yeah, and then in OKC, you saw he bounced. So I'm thinking now. Huh, is Harden really washed? I said, let me refrain from saying watch until I see him next year. Because he could bounce back next year and be like, oh, he just really needed a year to recover. Then the league is scared again. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm really um, – do I think any one of these teams that wins beat whoever wins the Bucks celtics series? No. Nope. But I really do believe in Philly this series. I really do. Okay, and it's funny that you get to the James Harden stuff. And – I think earlier this week, uh, I made a tweet about Harden, and I was like, this was the same James Harden that, like, an 11-game stretch, he scored 452 points, which is, like, an average of, like, 40 points. And I was questioning myself. I'm like, first, now I agree. Harden is no longer the same guy that's going to be, like, that guy that I just pointed out, like, 41 points in an 11-game stretch. He's not gonna. He's not gonna do that anymore. He's not that type of guy. But 
I, I still, I, like I said, like you said, I still do see the value in his playmaking. Right. He's no longer a first or probably even a second option in a, on a championship team. I think yeah. he, he, like what you just described, a prime Jason Kidd, maybe a three. So, score, yeah, he shouldn't be your first scorer or your second best scorer as he is right now. Right. Like, we don't know what he's going to be next year, but if he continues to stay like this, you're going to have to hope Maxi even gets even better than what he is now. Right. Right. And, and because I'm thinking, because I, I, I said on my previous episode with Harden and his, like, I guess, settled decline, or let's, let, let's just say, like, dip right now, because. Like you said, I think you made a great point. And I was, and it's so funny. I was thinking about the Chris Paul correlation where he had the hammy injury and people was looking at the price tag and, you know, and people was like, oh man, Houston got to get, find a way to get off Chris Paul because he looked like he's going downhill and, and he's pretty pricey. Then he had that bounce back year in OKC. And then the rest is history where he goes to Phoenix and he has this great two year stretch in Phoenix so far. So with Harden, it could be the same way. But I would argue, speaking of Brooklyn, I think how Harden is right now better suits Brooklyn because he would be a better – like, in Brooklyn, he would be a better fit. And that's the argument. That's the point I made in my previous episode. I'm like, Durant is still Durant. Kyrie is a lethal scorer at every, at every, at every level of the floor, a lethal scorer. And Harden doesn't have to score 24, 25. He can give you 19 and 9, 19 and 10, and be okay because Brooklyn has two phenomenal just offensive score, like just masters at scoring the basketball. So are you if you're Philly, would you give him that four-year max extension? Knowing like let's just say, let's just say you're right about Harden being this third option and he turns into like a prime Jason Kidd without the defense and he's like this guy that gives you 19 and 9. Do you give him the four-year extension? Yes, and I'll tell you why. I give him the extension, but I'm going to try to get a third star. And nobody's off like Joel is you can have anybody but Joel Harden. Maxi, as good as I think he is, I don't think he's in this time frame. Cause they go they got about what a two more year time frame with this two? Probably a two, two maybe two, two maybe three. three year stretch. Yeah. I don't think he's gonna be Yeah, get rid of I'm like, bro, you can have anything, anybody but James and Joel, and we'll fix whatever afterwards. But I'm doing that, and I'm trying to get a third star with them. I really need a third star, and that star needs to be a bucket, somebody that can score. Yeah. Like you just gonna have to do what you have to do at okay. this point, because I don't think I don't think you can justify losing James Harden, and I don't think it, he still makes you better. Like he, at the end of the day, he still makes you better. He does. He yeah. does. I, I think the I think a lot of the media and the slander comes from like people think of like just three years ago in the bubble, James Harden was the same guy that was like putting up 40 point triple doubles. Like so I think people that's so recent in people's mind. And even right. even that first stretch in Brooklyn when he first got traded, and people was like, Oh wow, 
This guy he might be an MVP a, talk. He, he was an MVP talks. I think even that version of Harden was still acceptable and still could be a second option on a championship team. But I think the mere fact that Harden has like had this ever since then, he's had like this dip in terms in terms of his scoring. I think uh that's where it throws people off. But it's his scoring. It's not like his playmaking. His playmaking, the the ability is still there. Bro, the ability, you can low-key argue. Since actually, I would argue he's probably gotten better as a passer. Yeah. Since he's left Brooklyn, uh, since he left yeah. Houston, Houston just yeah. all, being smart, he's way smarter. So I'm like, bro, his playmaking is still there. It's just the issue is a lot of people can't accept it when people certain people. So Le, I'll use it like LeBron. People can't even accept the decline LeBron has. Even though he's still good, but you can see the incremental like declines, like little by little by little. Yeah. Harden, so it's like now you get somebody like Harden. And he looks like he just went from top five player to fifteen to twenty range. Fifteen yeah. to twenty range. So that's a hard that's a steep drop right like right there. Boom. Yeah. A lot of people just gonna react negatively to to unless it was like a Drop off, drop off, drop off, drop off like that. Right. Right. So you so yeah, you're giving you you okay. And I think with Philly, I think you make a good point. I was saying to I was saying this to myself too. It's like Philly, they got they got bench bench needs. Um, I think they do lack some depth. Uh mm-hmm. they they can use another big man outside of Embiid. So I'm like, if you give Harden the four year the four year extension. You would have to imagine that, like a guy like Tobias Harris, could be on the market, um, on yeah. the table as a as an asset. And, and even you said, like, hey, you looking at this championship window? You're like, do we think Maxi in this two year span, maybe three year span, can turn into like a legitimate second option, top fifteen player type of guy? Probably not. Probably not. And he's a really good, like he's a really young asset, but like probably not. So you can use him as a trade piece to get another guy. Um, so I, I I agree with that, and I'm not even mad at you for picking Philly to win this series because that's what I had too until the Embiid injury. Um, I was looking ahead and I was like, I think Philly can beat Miami because uh, I think yeah. my like I said, I think Miami's little fool's gold. Um, now let's look at the Dallas Mavericks in the Phoenix series. Um. Obviously, the first two games, Phoenix, they they handled Dallas. Luka had some big-time showings. But, you know, after Luka, the, the drop-off kind of happens where with the Mavericks. Um, and two things that I already kind of knew going into this series was going to happen. The first thing was the Mavericks were not going to be able to take advantage of DeAndre Aiden like they did Rudy Gobert. And what I mean is not to say that DeAndre Aiden's a better defender, but he's a better offensive post threat where Gobert, he makes a living and killing off of block shots, protecting the interior, but protecting the rim. Dallas brought him out to the perimeter. Dallas stretched him out. Dallas was able to hit threes. On the other end, Rudy couldn't make them pay. DeAndre Aiden can. So right. I, that that's the one big difference that I, that I already knew coming into the series. And then the second thing is like, I don't know if you noticed, but Dallas, in order for them to like consistently win playoff games and series, 
they have to have these like unusual spikes. Like they have to have, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Jalen Brunson has to go for 35. Uh, the Mavericks as a team, they have to make 20 plus three point shot. Like they have to have, they have to have like these unusual offensive spikes in order to win. And with Phoenix, Phoenix is, they play the same way every game. You're getting the same team every game. So give me your take on Dallas bouncing back in game three and just your overall take um, on the series. Um, So the series, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Going in, I did pick, I did pick um, Dallas because I didn't think Devin Booker was going to be fully healthy. I, I don't know. He needs to get drug tested because I don't know how he came back from that um, <laughs> that injury that fast. Second, um, <laughs> I was wondering. It was just the way they play. Is I, I I can tell you I didn't account for this. It's very volatile. So think of like those old '66 when LeBron teams. Uh-huh. It's a lot of driving kick. Mm-hmm. Boom, driving kick. Luca when Luca has the ball is great. But those other guys, Brunson and Dinwiddie, look better than what they were, probably. Well, I would say, yeah, they look better than what they were versus Utah because they were getting easy dribble penetration because Utah guards can't guard a shadow. Right. <laughs> and then it forces Gobert to rotate. Yep. And then he can't he can't be everywhere at once. The thing with Phoenix that I didn't account for was those guys give effort and they swarm everywhere defensively. Yes. So first, you're already having a tough time outside of Luka even getting past the first line of defense. But even then, those guys are killing to rotate and getting spots, places easier, making reads harder, throwing off the timing just enough. So that's throwing them off. And those guys, it just... Call it like it is. Those guys really role players around him, and what do role players do? They can be hot or cold, and they are usually cold on the road. Yep. So they went cold on the road. Mm-hmm. As you see, they was hot yesterday, and they're probably going to be hot game four. And I did like a little bit of the adjustments they made game three, though. Um, game three, they they match up behind it better. They got Luca off the in the post more. Like, stop having him dribble so much versus Michael because Michael can get through those screens. Yeah. Make it easier for him. Get him in the post. Force the help. Make the reads simpler. Um, They got Brunson going early, which was key. Dinwiddie was. Mm. Oh, my God. Glad <laughs> we didn't pay him. Very glad we didn't pay him. But Reggie Bullock was it. They started, and you notice what they did? You remember, like, after game two, they started in the finals last year, they started pressing Phoenix, like, full court. Yeah. Just killing time to run the offense. Uh-huh. And you got to think, remember last series, that's what uh, the Pelicans was doing. Yep. And they started doing that with Reggie Bullock yesterday, and it started to just throw off the timing within the offense. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason, like, Chris Paul had, um, had seven turnovers in the first half. Yep. So he has to play off the ball, and then when he's rushing to make reads and it's wearing him down, so you're running the offense through other players, which even though like somebody like Booker, he's a good he's a good passer, but he I mean, he's still not somebody that you want to run your offense through all the time in that role because he has some decision making problems mm-hmm. and all of that. So he's forcing in and off, and then you don't want people like Michael and Jay Crowder dribbling, yeah, and all that. So it really 
throws off the off. They really did a good job taking the head head of the snake out and just throwing off the off. Like you gonna have to live with something. So like Deep has always said, you have to live with something. So I, I'm capable with living with eight and killing. Right. But if I can make Chris Paul make the off, throw the timing off, make Chris Paul be off a little bit, and avoid getting Luca, like avoid getting Luca matched up with Booker and Chris Paul, I'm good. Like, and I can just live with it. Right. So I so it was pretty good game yesterday. It was well coached. Yeah, I, I think Kid did a good job. Um, I was gonna say I I always used to say this about LeBron, and I think Luca, in terms of their playmaking, I think their abilities are quite the same. I never understood why LeBron didn't play more in the post, where he always has had the ball in the on the perimeter, and that's where he has start to break down the defense and creating. But I always thought with his size, his physical attributes, I thought it would be easier for him just put him on the block, let him post up. His intention don't always have to be score a basket. It can be get a basket for someone else. Um, like and yeah, like playing out of the post. And I think Luca, he he's not obviously he doesn't he's not blessed with the same like athletic abilities, but he still have the size and the presence and the playmaking ability to dictate and have just as much impact and value so i was good I, i'm always happy to see guys like lebron luca play out like play inside the post a little bit more um for the betterment of the offense yeah he's um so this is the difference i have between those two um so lebron coming in was and he's a god given athlete yeah but he didn't his skill wasn't as polished coming in so you gotta think he he spoke on this numerous times he didn't really develop a post game until 2013 yeah miami so and then his footwork wasn't really that crisp and stuff either so and then you gotta think luca is bigger than what lebron was back then in those early Cavs years Luca is really freaking big, and they say he's strong as shit. They yeah. say he's really strong, and he comes in. You got thing comes in from Europe, and they teach all that type of stuff. Yeah. So he's coming in naturally polished, like, oh, I can do this. Boom, boom, boom. And then Jason Kidd used to do that too. So that's like the difference. Because I wish, like, even now, sometimes I'm like LeBron, just go to the block. Like, he's good when he do it. Like, I always be wondering. I'm like. You bail Kawhi out when Kawhi's guarding because you be dribbling too much. Right. Take him to the block. Like, take him to the block. But yeah, that's the difference. But I really hope um game four should be good. I really hope Dallas, somebody steps up for Dallas. If I'm Dallas this offseason, they could they need to get a, a second. They need to get two things. And it's gonna be hard to get two things, these two things to get depth. They need a second. Score. Mm-hmm. That's a star. Yep. For Luca, but they also need an interior rim protector. Like if they found a way to get, and I know it's probably impossible, but I know if they found a way to get like Beal and Gobert. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. That will be crazy. Yeah. So stupid. like some players in that type of mold is what they really need. Agreed. I said this about Dallas as well, and I was like. They're gonna Luca is uh 
he's like already like a top five player. Like I, I I don't know I don't know where you have like it depends on where people have him like either one or five, but like he's somewhere in between there. So Dallas is always going to be like in playoff contention, and they're going to be in some competitive series because Luca is that good. But I think I feel like they found them. They find themselves in the same predicament they was in with Dirk. It's just that Luca's better. Um, and it's the mere fact yeah. that like Dirk never like they always struggled to find him like a second option. And I think Brunson, I think Brunson's a really good player, but he's not a second or even a third option on a no. championship contending team. Um, so like the from Luca, who I think is obviously the Mavs' best player, to like the second best player in the Mavs, which is probably Jalen Brunson, that drop off, the gap, the disparity between those two. It's too wide. And basically, like you said, if they could find a way to get uh, another score with Luka that can play off of Luka, which I think Beal kind of fits that mode, and then uh, like a rim protector like Gobert, that would be be perfect. But I think for Dallas, like they definitely need to find like a legitimate second option because when you're playing this like – Luca's very his play style is not necessarily similar to James Harden, but mm-hmm. it's very ball dominant, ISO dominant, usage yeah. rate out of the roof, and they both take like a physical tolling. Like their games aren't physical, but like they they're able to move people around because they're they're burly. So when you look at those guys, as as the game continues, as it goes deeper into the playoffs, they get worn out. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they start to gas out. You can see, especially when teams start to pick on them, attack them on defense. Mm-hmm. That's what was smart about like keeping. I was just glad they just avoided just willingly switching them on to stick to the scheme. Like try to keep them out of that because you're going to gas out, and that's the and that's like you know it's give and take. Of those players are so great with the ball, and I always wish like a Harden, like Harden should have had like a Kyrie instead of a Chris Paul with them. Yeah. Or a rest. Like, get that type of play. Like, when LeBron had a Kyrie with him, get them a score, just so like they can score and dri- off the dribble, and can, but it can also fit with them. And that's the type of player they need because those players are always going to dominate the ball. It's just going to be is what it is. But at least try to look at how to make that work in a championship element because how they're doing it right now isn't going to work with that personnel. And how they used to do it with James Harden a lot of his career wasn't going to work. Wasn't going to work. Um, I agree. And I think like with those type of guys, you need to put score first type of guys around them, basically mm-hmm. score first. Um, so I, I, I completely agree. So tell me game four, what happens and what happens the rest of the series? Uh, game four, if I could guess, I think I think the Mavs tied 2-2. OK, I, I spent the big game from I spent a big game from Luca. I expect the shooters to be on one. I expect Brunson and Dinwiddie to play about even. So not Brunson playing as good as he did last time. I expect both of them to have like between 12 and 18 to 20 um, this next game. And I expect one of the Clippers, one of those guys to eat, but I'm not sure if they're going to, if I'm Dallas, Let's see how far Booker and Aiton gonna take you. 
So I'm going to try to run what I ran last. I'm going to do everything I can. We're going to take Chris Paul out of this game. So I want to see that. I don't think their role players off the bench are going to be that good. I mean, going forward, I think if I was a betting man, I would probably bet. I probably bet Phoenix and six, but I'm telling you, if this this could go seven games, and when things go seven, you a lot of times got to lean with the best player on the floor. Uh-huh. And I, and I can tell you this, I don't care. They can lose every game the rest of this series. I don't want to hear anybody saying Booker is in the conversation with Luca. Chris Paul is nothing. Luca is by far the best player on the court. And if I anybody that says otherwise, don't talk basketball with them. <laughs> don't even. It's not even worth the stress. Not even worth the stress. Well, I agree. I, I think you know with Luca. Like I said, I think he's a top five player in basketball. Some would argue probably the best. Like, depending on like what sways your bow, he's pr- like he's gotta be within that top five at least. Um, and you make a good point. I mean, if it goes seven, you typically go with like who what team has the best player on the floor? Like who's gonna be that who's gonna be the player that's gonna be able to control the pace of the game and who's the best out of the bunch? It's probably Lucas. So I'm not mad at that take. Um Golden State in in Memphis. Mm, Give me your take on Golden series. State in Memphis. I think so. I tell you this. I think Golden State's going to win this series. Um probably in 6 games. Now, I think I find it really really impressive that Golden State is so undersized, but they would they get so many second chance, third looks, opportunities. Mm-hmm. And they cash in on them. Now, game two, they didn't get a lot of they, they didn't hit a lot of their shots, but they've been able to generate really, really good looks in both games. Um yeah. I, I think defense, I think offensively, they should try to attack Jaw a lot more with the yes. small, small pick and roll. I think they should they should like Steph, they should they should try to abuse that like in crunch time. They should use that um offensively. Um and with Memphis, I think they're young. Uh, the, the the Dylan Brooks move that that little that little instance, I think that was re- retaliation. Um, now I think it is big that GP two is gone for the rest of the series, at yeah. least uh, for the foreseeable future, because I think he's the guy that stays in front of Jaw. But give me your take on Memphis uh, and on this whole series. Like, who do you have winning? Um, how should Memphis approach Golden State going into the uh, the Chase Center? Like, tell me, just give me your approach in this series. All right. So, first of all, we all can acknowledge Memphis is lucky to be here. Like, absolutely, they shouldn't they shouldn't even be here. Um, this series reminds me of the Lakers at Thunder in twenty ten. Mm. Where the Thunder was, we know we knew the Lakers were the favorites and contenders, but the Thunder were coming, and we knew that was a bad matchup because the Thunder were so freaking athletic mm-hmm. and relentless and reckless. So it was like, damn, like it's just something you don't want to have to deal with as an older team. So from a basketball standpoint, you have that. 
And then I was like, well, this is a series where Jaws going to eat because they only have one to two players where you can put on Wiggins and GP2. Now you have this happening and GP2's out. So you should expect Jaw to eat. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say this is a well-coached series from Steve Kerr because they're running a lot of motion. And I agree, the motion should, probably should be the staple of their offense, and it should be. But it comes times where it's like, there's no reason why Andrew Wiggins should have John Morant on him, and you're not saying, wait, let's attack this. Right. Like, simple as that. Absolutely. Like, like they're not attacking the mismatches as much. They just keep running the motion and relentlessly. And it's like that can get stagnant at times. Once you start picking up on the actions and start to get stagnant, like you have to mix it up and start to attack the mismatches, which KD touched on um, when he left them. So mm-hmm. like they're not balanced that enough. Um, I think they should stop trying to crash offensive glass too, especially Wiggins because Wiggins is has the job matchup now and he guards him fine in the half court but when you're crashing offensive glass you're only going to get let's say you're only going to get five offensive rebounds again let's just say that's your best case 10. all those other ones when Memphis is getting the ball they're running and y'all are not athletic enough to run back with them and nor do you have that giant Gobert-esque person back in the lane back there so you need all your men back to play them in the half court to stop that transition. Because that's when Ja and all those little guys, that's when they start to get in the rhythm and all that. Oh, we got to lay here, you got to lay here. Now I'm feeling myself. Now I'm about to key-hee-hee, pull up and hit the three. So it's like, you got to kill the rhythm. But even with all of that, if you watch that, Golden State wasn't shooting well, and they still blew the end of last game. Right. And they, and they shot seven for 38. Seven for thirty. It's thirty or thirty-eight that they shot from three. Seven for and thirty-eight, a them, and a lot of them was open. Yep. Like I said, oh, they're going to. It's going to be three-one going back to Memphis. So yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, think it's going to be three-one going back to Memphis. And, and honestly, that's why I think Golden State wins the series. They generate too many open looks, and in Game One they fail. You know, Jordan Poole got hot. Steph had a pretty good game. I thought Steph could have had more than what he had. Um, in game one, but um, yeah, like they just they just generate too many open looks for Memphis, where I think at home they're gonna hit those shots. Um, just in general, like in another, they're gonna hit those shots. They're not gonna go seven for thirty eight three more mm-hmm. times. Like you're just not gonna see that. And even when they did do that, they were up four points with two minutes left in the game. Is bro. Oh my gosh, you're giving me PTSD up the nets. Literally. <laughs> like, like, literally. Like up four with with two minutes left. So, like, you know, like with Golden State, I think it's a matter of closing. Um, I can agree with you with the motion. Um, with them the offense getting a bit stagnant and not being able to take advantage of the mismatches, because I totally agree. Like, I don't know why they won't, but I will be attacking Jaw like down the stretch. Like the last three minutes of every quarter, if Jaw is in the game, I am attacking like to close out those quarters because usually those run like runs usually typically happen like towards even like the middle, 
towards the end of a quarter. So going into the next quarter or end of the game, I want to go on. A, I want to be the team that goes on that run. And it starts with just taking advantage of the easy mismatches. Like if you have Wiggins, if, if, if Jaws on Wiggins, let Wiggins, let Wiggins get in the post in the, in the mid range game and take advantage of the mismatch. You know, I think, I don't think they're exploiting Ja Moran enough defensively uh, for my liking. Even when, when you got guys like Steph and, and, and Jordan, Poole, like when you got these offensive, like these guys are just so skilled, you got to let them exploit the mismatches. Right. And I'm like, yeah, y'all just, just let them exploit it. And then the thing is, when you do that, you tire him out on offense. You make it get him in foul trouble. Uh-huh. Like, stuff like that is you wear him down. Or he's a smaller guard, so just wear him down. Like, don't get – make him work. Right. Make him play defense. Like, you have to make him work. Because those other guys, and they get – they feed it off of him and his energy. Kill that. But it, it it's only so long this run going to last for them because I'm just worried that <laughs> I just think Golden State may need to worry about whoever wins that this next series. For They just need to be worried about that. So if I'm dumb, I'm trying to end this in five because that, that series, whoever comes out of that ain't going to be no – even if they play Dallas – Dinwiddie and Brunson are going to play closer to they did at Utah versus how they played, you know, versus, versus Phoenix. Yeah. 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 So it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. They really need to, and those GP2 injury, that's. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. And so it, it's going to be interesting. Um, I can't wait just to see how this pans out. I, I really can't. And tell me this. Who's the if that does if that does happen like for instance if the Mavs make it to the conference finals versus the Warriors who's the best player on the floor? Steph. Okay. Steph, you yeah, I would say Steph, but that boy is coming. Luca's coming. <laughs> Honestly, bro, by the end of next season, then Luca may be better than stuff. Like, cause I can start to see Steph's regression. A little bit, a little yeah, bit. Starts these stuff regression stuff, but it's to the point. I may not agree, but I may start beginning to the point. Like if somebody said that they, they hold up, we lost them. The Luca versus Steph take is that the point where both of Drunk if you think one is better than so those boys are close, man. They're they're really close. Luca coming. And he may be reaching that Giannis Jokic category of player soon. If not now, it's coming. I, I think I think he's probably there, but so okay. I, I think he's probably there though. And I, I think we both agree that Golden State's winning this series. Um, 
So, okay. I think we both agree that both, like, they're going to win that series. They're going to, the Warriors should win this series. Right. Now, looking at Boston and, and Milwaukee, because this is I, this is a really interesting one. And I picked Boston in seven. Um, I know there's some there's some people out there that feel like Giannis is so dominant and he'd be able, he's he he'd be great enough where he can overcome the middle to injury. Give me your take on what you've seen the first two games. Um, who's like the biggest difference maker and who you have winning the series? Um, talk about Boston, right? Yeah, I, okay. I actually was talking to Ben Taylor about this this morning. I'm getting really tired of people being like, I just, I just can't pick against a certain player, whether it's LeBron, Giannis, Kobe, Jordan. People have gotten to the point when they think like a player is so great or the best player in the series or dominant that they can't lose. Like Jordan didn't only have a six year career, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like Shaq didn't only have a three-year career. LeBron didn't only play in the Miami and was second run with the Cavs years. Like, you get what I'm saying? Right. And I'm like, we said the same thing with Kevin Durant. I just can't see him losing in the first round. I just can't see him keep getting shut down by Boston. Boston. Yep. No. Boston is legit. This is the worst. Actually, this is the worst team for him to face in the league. He's not going to beat them scoring. And the wrinkle they made last game is what they said. Oh, we have enough defenders to guard him one-on-one. Solid for the most part. Let's not help until we have to. Yeah. Took away a lot of those perimeter shots. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't think Drew Holiday is, is good of a score to carry that second load. Right. So on top of defending. Right. On top of defending. So even though I'm not even that high on Boston's offense, I actually think this is a series where Jalen Brown is made for him to eat. But I just I just think Boston is honestly, I just think they're the best team in the East this year. And it's crazy how they did that. That this mid season turnaround they did is crazy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and you just gotta. At this point, I feel like I just may have to give it to them. Like, they're probably the best team in the East. I think they're gonna beat Milwaukee. I don't think Giannis is gonna have a great series score. Giannis, watch Giannis struggling this series is gonna change what people say about Kevin Durant. Watch. Uh-huh. Well, it's going to go from Durant choke and struggle to Boston defense was just crazy. It was just amazing. Like, right. that's what it should have been all along. Right. So, right, right. I agree. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why you mentioned it. And I feel like people, when I have this coach of the year discussion, I, I always say Emma Udoka, Emma Udoka, Emma Udoka for coach of the year. And I, I, I think there's, I think there's a couple of really good candidates like, um, Taylor Jenkins, obviously, Monty Williams. But the complete 360 that Boston did was crazy. Like, the first two months of the season, if you would have told me, okay, yeah, Boston, they're going to go after January. They're going to be the best team in the Eastern Conference. They're going to have the best record in the league. They're going to become this all-time great defense. They're going to shut down then Brooklyn in the first round of the playoffs and sweep them. And then yeah. they're going to be able to beat 
and they're going to be prohibited favorites to come out the East, I would have said, nah, you're crazy. That's not happening. But that's that's literally what has happened with Boston, where they have had this complete 360. Um, I think at times they go, they they revert back to their old ways offensively in terms of like ISO with it's Jason Tatum's turn, okay, Jalen Brown's uh-huh. turn. Like they revert back to that a little bit offensively, yeah. um, which is which is a bit scary. But yeah, I first game, mm-hmm. first game, it really scared me. I was like, oh my gosh, like. Make all you have to do make the Bucks defense work um, and then attack mm-hmm. because y'all are going to shut up. It's going to be an ugly series. It is <laughs> going to be ugly, but yeah, if they can, if they stay out of that stagnant stuff, bro, it's going to be great for them. Shout out to Ime, man. Black yeah, coaches, oh, black coaches on top. Yeah, I, 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 I know Ime. He's done a great job. And I, I just think, I just think Boston, like you said, you get sometimes just got to give it up. Like they, they're they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. I still think they have some like a hole or two where like they, like if they had like a quintessential true pure point guard that looked to get the other four players on the floor involved at all times, they would probably they they would they would be so unbeatable because. They have guys on the wings that are already like just they can put the ball in the basket with ease, and then you look at what they what they can do defensively. They're so versatile defensively with Robert Williams, Horford, and then Tatum has turned into he's turned himself into a valuable a valuable two two way player. Brown was already a good defender. Marcus Smart, all he's always been a really good defender. So. I think with the combination of Boston staying away from that ISO heavy stagnant offense and then looking at what they do defensively, this is a team that is built to win the Eastern Conference. And I'm not, I don't know about you, but I think this is probably their biggest test. I think Brooklyn and Milwaukee were their biggest test. And I think whoever they play in the conference finals, I'm not going to say like it's going to be like, it's going to be easy, but. I just feel like those teams, those two teams that we talked about earlier, are just flawed. They got they got some flaws. I'm gonna say it. They're gonna sweep. They gonna sweep Miami if they play Miami. <laughs> they, look, Philly can give them six or high end, maybe seven. But I would never doubt Boston even versus Philly too. But they are gonna sweep Miami, and then they get to who they face in the finals. And at that point, bro. Them versus Golden State is gonna be interesting. Yeah, I like that. I'm I'm rooting for that matchup. It's gonna be interesting how they guard stuff and how much. Boy, that's gonna be an interesting series. And Phoenix because they got bodies for them two dudes in the backcourt. Yep, they yep. got bodies for them. Mm-hmm. And they go and Marcus Smart is going to press. He's going to hound CP3. Full court, all game long. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly think the better matchup might be Golden State because with Phoenix, I think Booker's about 6'4". Chris Paul, oh. it, like, I just think with the length of Boston yeah. in the backcourt with – like, Marcus Smart was 6'5", and he ain't, no, he ain't no small 6'5". 
brother. And they have Al Horford. Uh, yeah. And so eight and all that eight and versus mismatches. It won't work. It won't work. And even if Brown, if Brown and Tatum, bro, they both six eight six nine and strong. So you're not dominating those two either. And Grant Williams, you're not dominating him either. Yeah, he turns into Clay Thompson. I'm I like I like in the corner those corner threes, he just starts knocking them down. He went from the worst player in the NBA <laughs> to a legit piece. This ain't crazy. Yeah. Bro, oh my gosh, I'm afraid that I'm saying this on the pod. What if low key I might want Boston? To win the championship if the Warriors don't go. Oh my God. <laughs> Just for Tatum. Just for Tatum? Tatum. And I hate the KKK, but I can't, bro. I really want them to win. If it's the Warriors don't, if the Warriors don't go, I really want them to win. Wow. Okay. This, this is interesting. This is interesting that you want Boston to win. Okay. Now tell me this about Milwaukee. For them to steal this series, they have to do what? Pray to God. (laughs) For them to win this series, well, they need to figure out. Okay. Cite my notes. I wrote notes about this. For them to win this series, they need to really get out of that stagnant offense. They're all, bro. If anybody's listening to this, go rewatch game two. They really ran a bunch of Drew Holiday or Giannis dribble up the court, isolate. Like, I was like, what the work? This is not going to work. And I'm like, you watch KD and Kyrie fail at this. Yep. You think Giannis and Drew Holiday is going to succeed at this? He's <laughs> like, what? What they did, what they was good at, when they was added motion and movement, motion and movement flowing into those actions, um, working the two-man game on the empty side. They need to get out of running that pick and roll at the top of the key because all Boston's doing is keeping all the arms out wide uh-huh. and everybody's in help position. Go, go on the empty side, put three shooters on the opposite side and work that two-man game, Giannis and Drew. Cause that's is better suited to you know you can attack that better and just more movement, more movement into actions. They was very good versus movement, getting Giannis downhill already, and all this stuff. And then then you add in the little isos here and there, but they them starting off the game with a bunch of isos and all this stuff really wasn't good. That's the adjustment I'm looking for from Coach Bud this game because he's not really that great. He went from not adjusting at all to not being – I still don't think he's great at in-game adjustment. Yeah. As is happening. But what I can say he's very great at, which I saw you last year, he's great at making adjustments for the next game. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wait and see if he does that. I'm going to wait and see if he does that. Because if they come out this next game playing ISO ball – Go ahead, Cancun. Oh wow! Well, well, I agree. And like, it's a simple, it's a simple rule in basketball where, like, when you're going up against any defense, but it doesn't help when you're going up against a Celtic defense like this. When you play isolation basketball on offense, it makes it easier 
for the opposing defense. It makes it easier to key in on a guy. Yes, it's the actually everybody doesn't know the reason switching actually became really popular is because isolations is the least efficient play in basketball. Yep. What do switching force? They're trying to force you to play ISO and live with because how often is one man going to actually beat you? So you need other stuff, other ways to counter that. There, it's like sort of they're taking the bait. And you don't have the talent to dominate that. I can even see if you had a KD and Kyrie, like, okay, like, I can see you out your eyes on or Chris Paul or James Harden in Houston. Yeah. You don't have that, bro. You need to attack it different. But this is also an issue. Look at their series last year with the Nets. Mm-hmm. Even when the Nets were under man, they just switched everything and it blew up a lot of their actions and stuff. That's a big reason why that series went to seven. And the Bucks offense wasn't good. It just was good enough and drew holiday and Chris Middleton turned into Kobe that last game. <laughs> but you need to attack the switches better. I agree. I agree. So you have Boston win this series. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I do. And they also, the Bucks like the bully teams, physically bully teams. Can't bully Boston. Physically outmatch and outpower Boston like they could do the Nets. Right. And a lot of other teams in the league. Right. So, yeah. one last thing before I let you go. Your finals prediction. Who gets there? Hmm. If I had to, if I had to say, I would say it's going to be a Golden State Boston matchup, mm-hmm. and I, and it's finals this year. Okay, a great final. I think so too. I that would make a great finals. We got the Warriors. Um, you know, obviously they they've been here, done that before. But then we got this team. I feel like this team in Boston, like the core nucleus. Have been together like they have had a lot of play. Like, despite them being pretty young, um, outside of Al Horford, they've had like a lot of playoff runs together. They've made it deep into the conference finals and so forth. So them scratching the surface of the NBA finals potentially, I think it makes for a great storyline, great headlines. Um, I don't know, like that series would be so interesting because we got the dynamic offense of the Warriors with their backcourt. And then we got the the Celtics' tough, gritty, tenacious defense, physical defense. Um, I don't know who I would go with. I would probably, I would. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm wanna lean Boston because I feel like the same what Cleveland did. I know 2016 totally different, like totally different circumstances and so forth. Um, and I know there were some other turning points throughout that series. But defensively, what what Cleveland did to Steph mainly was they were able to get physical, and the and the officiating and the refs allowed that that physical play. And I think the thing with Boston that throws a lot of teams off or a lot of guards off is the mere fact that Boston gets up under you, and they're really tenacious and they're really physical, and 
that physical we don't see that we don't see that physicality on defense in today's NBA. So I think that throws like a monkey wrench at certain teams and it's just such a hard thing that teams have to get used to and that's where I think Boston takes advantage. I'm really close to saying Boston in 7. Um I want to say Boston in 7 and they would have home court advantage. I would probably I would probably want to say Warriors in 7. Yeah. But it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It, we just really don't want Boston to win. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, don't. And please, please do, Matt. Please don't make it seem like that. Because you know we're going to have, we're going to have certain people. We're going to have people listening to this episode. And we know, we know a lot of, we know a lot of Celtics fans. So we're going to have certain people listen to this episode and you know what they're going to call us? They're going to call us haters. So I don't want, I don't make it seem like that. I just made a case for Boston, but I would probably go go to say. I don't know what their game plan is going to be. Mate, I got to rewatch some games and see if they played Golden State with this before they made the shoulder, shoulder trade. So, I mean, after. I hope their games wasn't before. But I want to see what their game plan is. Because I'm thinking they can attack pool, attack stuff. Then I'm thinking defensively, how are you going to guard them? Maybe they do something like we're going to try to take away stuff. Maybe pool also and say, Wiggins, Draymond, y'all beat us. Mm-hmm. And we'll be able to see the counters between that. So it, it's it's it, who I might be around here convincing myself Boston's gonna win. I don't know. Uh, forget it. Right now, right now, I'm gonna just say Boston. Boston is more is the like is most likely to win the championship as of today. Oh wow! We're gonna have a lot of people that like that. We're gonna, we're gonna have a lot of people that like that. No, 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 no. So, okay, okay. I, I think I think that's fair. Um, I feel like I want to like I feel like between I feel like Boston's the most complete team. Like they're the most complete team. I feel like, but yeah, I, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna definitely come back to this convo, this conversation when I have you on again, uh, before the finals or during the finals. But thank you for coming on once again, Najee. Completely appreciate it. Go check out his page, his Instagram page, his Twitter page, his YouTube channel. Uh, no layups. I will leave that in the link in the description. You guys go check him out. Like I said, once again, Najee, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your insight. I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy. Um, so, you know, any last words you want to give us? Nah, man. Keep up the great word. Appreciate you for having me up here. Definitely, uh... I definitely be up here doing a conference finals or whatever. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not a sport no more. So, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be lit. It's gonna, we gonna have a lot of talks because I be having stuff I need to get off my chest, especially for sure, man. Um, Brooklyn's coming back next year, and Isaiah, I need to see some uh, Commanders propaganda for football this season. All right. Oh man. Okay, I got you. I got you. Uh, all right, buddy. All right, bro.
Wow. Okay, so Commander's Propaganda. <laughs> Washington Commander's Propaganda for the football season. I keep that in mind, but no layups. Brilliant basketball. Brilliant young basketball mind. Uh, love bringing them on. Uh, I'm going to cap this episode off right here. Like I said, I'm going to be giving you guys episodes. At, like, I'm going I'm to give them to you. I'm going to give content to you guys. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Once again, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid. Uh, checking back out. Uh, like I said, enjoy. Uh, enjoy your weekend. It's I think it's Mother Day. It's Mother's Day's weekend. So shout out to all the moms. If you're a mom listening, shout out to all the mothers. Uh, very thankful and appreciative to them. Uh, but I, without further ado, I let you guys go. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace. Deuces. Gone.